Please turn in the word of the Lord to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to talk about the grace gifts of the Spirit today, and perhaps we're going to talk about it in a way that is uh, different than what we have ever considered before. And I say that because uh, <laughs> this morning at, uh, I think it was about 2 o'clock, I woke up and um, and the Spirit was saying something to me that was just really urgent, and it was in, I don't want to get too bogged down on the details of this, but it was, it was like three or four languages at once, but it was saying the same thing, but it was an urgency, and the essence of it, what I interpreted was that um, these, these gifts of the Spirit, these nine spiritual gifts, are functions <clears throat> together in grace, and the urgency that I was hearing was that our enemy tries to use um, imitations of these gifts to facilitate his bitter, wormwood-like assignments through the world and through his people that serve him. And so I thought, that is such a strange thing. So and I thought, two o'clock, normally I don't wake up till like three. So two o'clock was kind of a, an odd time. And, and so I went into the other room and, and I was praying and, and I thought, Lord, it's Sunday. You don't want me to be up since two o'clock on Sunday. I'm thinking these things while I'm praying. Do you ever do that? You know, that's why the mind is unfruitful. You know, you can be praying in the Spirit. You know the Spirit's saying something, but you're thinking these things. And so I have my handy-dandy Bible program on my phone, so I'm popping through these, and, and it started to make clarity. And, I, so, and I, I, I wasn't looking for a way out. I wasn't negotiating with God, but I said, Father, since this has begun in dream, um, can I go back to sleep and you continue to speak about this since I've read these scriptures? And it sounded like a good agreement, so I did go back to sleep, which I'm thankful to God for. Um, and so at five when I got up, I was back at this, and I saw some things about this that I'd never considered before, and I believe that there's a reason we're supposed to be talking about this today. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts or pneumatikos, brethren, I would not have you to be as those who are not concerned. Agnoel. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Uh, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. And then he comes into beginning at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. This is where we say these are spiritual grace gifts. Because right at the beginning, he uses this term diuresis, and uh, the Spirit is moving in grace. And so then, then he speaks about differences of administrations, 
but the same Lord, and diversities of operations, but the same God who works all in all. Those three things he mentions, we'll talk about this just briefly, but then he comes back to the way the Spirit moves. And so he's already stated that as the Spirit moves, it is grace. And so that's why we say that these nine gifts or nine facets are grace operatives. And the thing we're going to focus on today is that as God moves through the throne of grace, that he utilizes each of these not just as one-offs. You know, that's the way I, I, it was taught when I was uh, growing up and maybe for you too. Oh, that guy's got a gift of healing. Or oh, that guy, brother, he really has a, a gift of word of knowledge. Or that guy over there, we, we just cut this up and would sew it out because really, truthfully, we didn't have a fuller understanding of grace at that point. We just thought grace was salvation. The gospel of grace was saving grace, amazing grace. The, the fuller concept of what grace is and what it means b- to be before the throne of grace was not really open to our understanding at this point. So, so if you're talking about charismata or being charismatic or reading the magazine Charisma, that we just would kind of piecemeal these out and not really see them in the way God is speaking. So um, the, the grace gifts of the Spirit is what Paul begins with. But then he says uh, differences in administrations. And here he uses a different term to uh, speak of differences, but it's in really in alignment with administrations, which just speaks about, again, you have to have what God has given you to do, what God has given you to be, and you be faithful in that, and you answer to the Lord. You answer to that kurios, which is the New Testament version of Adonai. Everybody has to be doing what they're called to be, what they're created to be, as a, a servant, as a member of the army, and you are functioning uh, at the at the behest of the Lord, just as He did, He came. Jesus Christ is Lord. He served in what the Father has asked Him to serve in during those times on earth. He continues to serve at the right hand of the throne, um, praying for us that we will do what we are called to do. And so this this administration, as it were. Um, this um, this way that God has divested to each of us an identity is supervised by the Lord. So you begin with that the Spirit is moving in grace, and this is being distributed. And then every one of us has to answer and serve with the Lord in what he's called us to be. And then thirdly, It is uh, the diversities of operations. This is energies. This is, again, diuresis, which is the same word that is used to describe the way the Spirit gives. But this energy of what God is doing, it's alive, is supervised by God. So you have what God wants to do. You have people in place through the sacrifice and the supervision of Jesus our Lord. And then you have the way that the Spirit is moving forward in grace. That is a wonderful thing that Paul speaks about. 
And he, he, he says it, first of all, look, the way you move into the deeper things of the pneumaticos, the way you move, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to shut your mind off to it. I don't want you to say, well, that's not for me. You know, I'm agnostic, so I'll just kind of watch what's going on, and if it really suits my fancy, I'll get on board with it. That's what an agnostic would say, and much of the church is that way. I mean, we're going to wait till we see how this shakes out before we get moving. We're never ahead of the curve. We're just reactive. Where's the rest of the flock of sheep going? Well, I'm going to go ba-baing after that. But, you know, I don't want you to be ignorant. If you are really called to be a pneumaticos individual, if you are really called to be an expert through God at the things of the Spirit, as a specialist, as it were, you used to follow the demonic. You used to follow the idols of these nations. But now we, through the sacrifice of Jesus, are moving forward as operatives throughout the world, taking authority over these dumb idols, these demons that people worshiped. And so the throne of grace is going to move. You all have a place before the Lord, and God is going to work the life that he has ordained. That's what Paul says in those three. Then he doubles back. And verse 7, the manifestation, the phanerosis, the showing forth of how the Spirit moves in grace is given to every person to find fulfillment in, to find their, their, uh, their measure of sowing into and, and um, to, to find... Uh, their, their measure of, of feeling as if they've done what they were created to be. It's, it's that the, the moving of the Spirit of grace should profit every person in the fullness of who they are. And, and we need to see that because as we're moving in grace now, it's, it's, it really is becoming my fulfillment is that I personally have done what I am supposed to do. I am answering to the Lord. It's not about competition. It's not about who can be at the corner office. It's not about who gets the platitudes. It's not about who is the, the best-selling author on, on Elijah list. It's, it's not about any of those things. To every man to profit with all is an individual, dare I say, subjective thing where you are fulfilling what God has created you to be and you are doing what he has asked you to do in grace. That's how the Spirit in grace wants to move. There is no place for pride. There's no place for uh, competition. There's no place for bitterness because that's really the garment of pride and it's the garment of competition because if you're focused on on pride and competition, you're always going to find something to be offended about. You all, or, or you're going to be creating offense. And you, you, we, can't, we can't do any of those things. Um, so grace is causing you to find your fulfillment in serving him in what he's created you individually to be, whether nobody else sees it or not. And uh, I think God has tried over the years over and over and over and over and over again to get that through our heads. And it's just, 
it's an ongoing it's an ongoing struggle for the spirit i can tell you um so the manifestation of this of the spirit moving in the diversities of grace is is given and then it says for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom i will just read through these and then we'll come back to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit that's very interesting that terminology to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit why is paul saying why is god saying it that way because this is a continuity this is not let's piecemeal this and sell off the parts this is a progression of how God releases things in grace. This is a progression for how God wants to use the agents of his kingdom who are functioning on behalf of the throne of grace. It's the same spirit. It's the same focus. It's the same progression. I mean, why? Well, I don't know what we thought this meant. Oh, yeah, look at that guy, he, or that girl. She's moving in a word of knowledge. I wonder if it's the same spirit. Well, of course, it's got to be the spirit of God. Why did we think that? Well, he's using this autos, this same spirit, to show there's a continuity in flow. That's why this term, it's very odd that he would use this term over and over again. It all has cohesion. It all sticks together. It's not, oh, well, we've got gifts of healings over here. Oh, we've got this over here. This is a flow. I mean, he takes the time to say, this is how a pneumonicos person moves. That's the way he starts. Then he says, you know, the, the, the Spirit is going to move in grace. And each of you has a part. You were created to function in this way. And the end result is that the way God wanted it to function is going to function. That's what he says. And so then he comes back to how does the Spirit show himself in grace? And he lists these things. This is very interesting. So, verse 9, to another by faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, dunamis. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. These all works the one and the self-same Spirit as he divides to every man severally as he wills. How interesting is this? Just very interesting. So, I said that early this morning, and we are going to look at these one by one, but early this morning I woke up and, and there was just this urgency of the Spirit um, in many different languages at once, but I could, I could glean what was being said. <clears throat> but the, the focus was that the enemy is trying to utilize this pattern and doing a pretty good job of it, through bitterness, not through grace, because the enemy doesn't have grace. He was cut off from the throne of grace. There is no functionality of grace in him. It's all the opposition of grace, bitterness. And so in the scripture, you find that grace is opposed by bitterness. You see that. We've studied this. Grace is also, when grace fails, the sin abounds 
are the missing of the mark. So you see the enemy dealing in missing the mark, and you see the enemy dealing in bitterness. And if you've been paying attention over the past six years, I have never seen such unrest being spewed out in society and in the media all about bitterness, all about we've been done wrong, all about let's look back and find all the ways that we've been shortchanged. Everybody has a story. Everybody wants to to look bitterly at things. We all deserve something because of the wounds we've had. And it's, it's not just in race, it's in everything. It is bitterness. And it is a full-fledged attack for the enemy to sow a, a, a framework of bitterness upon which wormwood, upon which the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist can function. And so I really believe that, you, you know, you look at this. Let's just look at this. this. The word of wisdom. This is not the rhema of wisdom. Neither is it the rhema of knowledge. In, in the past, as in decades gone by, we've really tried to make it rhema. I'm going to give you a word of wisdom. And it's, it, it's always been a rhema. I'm going to give you a word of knowledge. It's a rhema for that moment. But these are logos. And you can't, you can't substitute the meaning. The logos of wisdom is what God has ordained from the foundation of the world and how he is taking light into the darkness. That's how this thing begins. To one by the same spirit of grace is that function of wisdom. What did Solomon ask for that delighted the heart of God when the temple was going to be brought forward and it was supposed to be launching out tabernacles? I ask for wisdom. I ask for wisdom so that I'll know how to go out and come in. This is the first thing, according to the eternal framework of God, his eternal logos, and how he wants light to penetrate darkness. That's the first measure from the throne of grace, how the Spirit releases through a pneumaticos individual. The second, then, is the logos of knowledge, that, that specific steps in a timely pursuit, meticulously laid out, the gnosis, what we're supposed to do right now, what we're not supposed to do yet, or what we shouldn't do at any time. That is the next frame from the throne of grace as the Spirit manifests grace and shows it forth. What's the next one? Faith. What is God empowering you to do from the right hand of the throne? What, what is from that throne of grace when you are devoted to going forth in wisdom and devoted to being to learn um, what is faith saying to you that you're supposed to operate in from the throne? What is your commission based upon the wisdom and the knowledge that's there? This is very interesting, and it's really in line with what we've been saying God's been trying to do in us. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to give us his focus. What is his wisdom doing in this hour? What is his wisdom? And what is he trying to teach us in knowledge 
because that then sets the stage for how we're empowered from the right hand to go forth. Does that make sense? Of course it does. This is the pneumatikos progression, and this is how the Spirit shows forth grace. I, I, I just love this. Um, to another, grace remedies. <laughs> it's great, you know? I mean, if, if you if you've got an insight, if you've got an insight about what God is wanting to do, he's teaching you his specific knowledge and understanding, and he speaks something to you from the throne. As you emerge from throne, the throne, you want eomai. You want eomai, kerisiromai. You, you want to know, okay, Father, what's the strike point here? What is the grace remedy that's going to unlock this as I go forth from the throne? What is this measure that you're wanting to release? Now, God uses the evangelist to do this, but we should all do the work of evangelists. Seems I read that somewhere. And so that is, this is like a strike force. This is like, this is like going ahead of the army. This is like a breakthrough, and it, it, it really is Okay, it's, 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 not, it's not even prophecy here. It's you gaining a perspective. Oh, yes, I see. God is going to send us here to do this. He's going to do this, and that's going to unlock something. And it's going to bring remedy that then causes things, the whole thing to break through. This is the weak spot. This is the, this is the understanding of what you do. I mean, God gave that in Jericho in the first battle in the, in the promised land after Gilgal. Before they prophesied, before they blew the shofar, before they did any of that, they, you know, you go and you walk around those walls quiet. This, this is going to be the break for. This is going to be the breakthrough. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. To another, the dunamis, the next thing that comes is the, is the breakthrough of function, because that's, that's dunamis. Dunamis is function. Dunamis is the fire of function. You know, you knew in your body that you were well, and suddenly function was there, and suddenly heat came upon it, and hey, I can use this again. That comes after, see how this flows in this progression? It just perfectly, perfectly flows. Um, and then to another prophecy. Now, it's interesting because I spent probably an hour reading uh, different, different things about prophetia. And, uh, and, and the one thing that I emerged with is that through the Old Testament... Prophecy primarily focused upon God's will. It wasn't just foretelling. It was telling, this is what God's going to do. And I, I, I want to read something to you. I clipped this out of the New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology. I thought this was just so good. I, I, almost, I almost plagiarized it and just listed it out. But just listen to this. It, it's just, this is great. Prophecies in the Old Testament were devoted, this is me talking, were devoted to the purpose of God, the ongoing purpose of God. So, in the New Testament, Matthew 
especially showed that the prophets foretold many of the details of the life of Jesus. They foretold the virgin birth and related events. They foretold the birth in Bethlehem. They foretold the return from Egypt, the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem, the choice of Nazareth as a home, the work of John the Baptist, the stay in Capernaum, the heal. These are all spoken about as prophecies that were being fulfilled. The work of Jesus in secret, the speaking in parables, the entry into Jerusalem, the passion and the death of Jesus. Elsewhere, we read that the prophecies predicted the resurrection, the glory of Jesus, Pentecost, the, accept, the acceptance and the focus upon the Gentiles, the parousia, the judgment of the ungodly, the eschatological order, um, not just the salvation foretold by the prophets. So to the rejection of the people, which is referred to by the prophets. Isaiah spoke of their hypocrisy, of their unbelief. When Jesus spoke in parables, it is understood that there is a fulfillment of prophecy, the hardening of Israel, the purchase of the potter's field with Judas's 30 pieces of silver was also foretold. And so it goes on, but all of these prophecies were focused on what? It was not just foretelling, it was the prophet sowing into what God was going to need to do through Jesus and what was going to happen. And, and, and so for me, when you talk about prophecy here, it's, it's really a, a putting forth uh, and a dying, the spirit of the spirit of the prophet is martyria, we're laying ourselves out here in our words to declare what God has ordained to do. Why is this happening right now? This is in alignment with his purpose. This is in alignment with his purpose. And all of these prophets, and even what Peter said in, in Acts 3, he talks about Moses, and then he talks about from Samuel, from the prophet Samuel on, Everything was about Jesus. That was prophecy. It wasn't foretelling necessarily, even though it was. But it was, that's confusing. It wasn't, okay, by next year this is going to happen. It was all focused on speaking forth the word and dying so that the message could come out. This is what God's purpose is. This is what God is doing. And that's such an important framework, and the placement of this prophecy there cannot be understated. Where does it fall in the alignment? Well, you've got wisdom. You know this is the direction. God is teaching you. Um, you, uh, you then are, are moving through the power of the right hand of the throne. You're going forth as an arrow. You, you have these grace remedies that are breaking through. You're starting to see the dunamis of the function of God, the power and the fire of God moving. And then you speak. This is that. What did, when did Peter prophesy? When did he quote Joel? It was after they'd been praying, after they had been supplicating, after they had been gleaning prosuke, after they had been seeing the, the, the fire come upon people, hearing the tongues, hearing the rush of the wind. Then Peter rises and says, this is that. What God has said is going to be. You're seeing it. It's prophetic clarity of the will of God. And there's nothing more powerful for us, 
than that. It's all about what God has ordained. Especially in these days, hear me, the reason the enemy is going, is according to the scripture, going to detest the saints and the prophets is this process. We are functioning on behalf of what the throne is for restoration in alignment, the restoration of the will of God in alignment with the angelic. That is there, and we declare this is what God said. This is what God has said in his word. This is that. Those two come together. It's, it's indomitable. And that's why prophecy is here. I, I just think that's amazing. I, I just think uh, truly amazing. Now, when, when in, in this grace gift of the Spirit, when we do all of that, then comes the diacresis of spirits discerning, because when, when this is happening, something is going to come out. You're going to know, you're, you're going to need the capacity of grace to be able to discern. This says it's of God, but it's demonic. This here is an anointing of some sort, but it is not from God. It is a twist. This over here, it's, it's the same word of judging prophecy. This here is truly from God. This is an histemi that's pure. We call that forth. Because when you get to this point, suddenly the rock has been moved and everything scampers. You begin to see what God has put in the deposit of his glory. You begin to see iniquitous twistings of it. You begin to see people like Simon or Elamus that, that Paul could say, you are, you are a son of Satan and you, you are... You, I bind you now. You're going to be blind for a season. It's at this juncture that the discerning of spirits is, or, or the, really a prophetic judging of what's going on in the spirit in front of you happens. Um, to another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. If diverse tongues interpretation is so important, why are they last? Well, because of this, we know from our study of diversities of tongues that this should be evident within every church. It is a foundational thing by which grace moves. We entered, didn't we? Tell me if this isn't true. When we began through the power of the Spirit, totally by the directive of God, not through any man or woman, totally by a gift of awakening from God, we all began to move in diversities of tongues. And when that happened, we immediately found ourselves on our face in proscuneo before God. And God opened up the spirit realm, didn't he? God began to acquaint us with the, our responsibility as sons, knowing him as father. What, do, what are these angels doing? How is this shown in the word? This is the foundation, and it's at the end because it's at the beginning. <laughs> so we've gone through all this process. It's based upon diversities of tongues and the hermuneia, the, the, under, the doctrinal understanding, the doctrinal understanding. This, this term there, uh, you, you go through 
you go through the, 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 the logos of wisdom, the logos of knowledge, and all these things, you come down through it, and you recognize that through it all, it's been because you've been praying in this grace gift and these multitude of tongues from the, 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 the genos, the beginnings, and God is saying, this is what I'm doing in grace. This is what I'm doing in grace. That's the fuel at the base of all of this that keeps us moving. And, um, and through it, we end up with an understanding, a doctrinal, hermeneia understanding that we can teach and put forward and say, this is true, and here is why it's true. We've seen it work. We've stepped into grace, and here is where it is in the Word. That's what we deliver. That's what our boat is filled with when we come upon the shores of a new land. But then it's also the beginning, just like the seven spirits. I mean, we come to that point, we reflect, and we're ready to go forward again. I just think it's amazing. So this is how God moves from the throne of grace. As I said, these are not broken up piecemeal, where you just kind of think, oh, that guy, you know, he, he's praying for people and Everybody he lays hands on is, is free from back pain. We rejoice in that. I'm not belittling that. But that really is not the gifts of healings <laughs> because it's, it's grace remedies is what that term really means. That person may well and truly be gifted because they overcame in some way to lay hands. I've known people like that, and I've rejoiced. I, when I was in high school, there was a guy in my church that just about any time he laid hands on somebody who, who had back problems, boom, that person was immediately free. It was astounding. Just the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. Just humble. He was a plumber. And, and I remember going with him in men's meetings. And, you know, I was just that kid that was kind of watching things. And, and everybody said, oh, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a gifts of healings. That's the way we attributed it. And so I'm not shortchanging the fact that this guy had an efficacy to heal in that way. God just moved in wondrous ways, his majesty and his, his glory to, 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 to tell. And I, I pray that that continues to move through people with unique anointings and unique giftings. But this progression is literally grace remedies. And it's in the flow point of grace. And we must not separate it from where that context leads it. Now, how has the enemy used this? He can't move in grace, but he knows this principle is, is what works. Now, he doesn't even have a Holy Spirit. He has the, the deposit of the Spirit that's in him from God's creation and in the demons that fell, and we've studied about and put forward that, um, you know, he, he said he'd be like the Most High, and he recruited in rebellion high-level beings that were gifted in certain capacities in the ways of God, perhaps many that he had served as Hillel in bringing forth the ways of God, and he knew what he felt he needed to function in God's ways. I will be like the Most High. We've studied this and taught on it many times. But he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. I think in certain ways, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail here, but I think in certain ways he's used the advent of the Internet and the immediacy of 
messaging online to connect people around the world who serve in the demonic. Because even though demons aren't everywhere, he does, the enemy does not have the Spirit of God that is everywhere. The enemy's not everywhere. He is a finite being. As much as he wouldn't want to admit that, he is. But I know that there, there are ways, just like we've seen in our country, Antifa can coordinate like this. Go, send people here. And, and almost immediately, they're all saying the same thing. Almost immediately, they're all agreeing on the same thing. Almost immediately, they flow. And that's only been because of the Internet. It's true. Back in the days of Ma Bell and party lines, they could never have done that. But now, it's instantaneous. And, and so I think the enemy uses that. But you just think about this. Word of wisdom. Well, we don't want what we, the logos of wisdom. We don't want what God wants. We don't want where he's going. So we're, instead of going forward in wisdom and grace, we're going to direct our attention backwards. And we're going to question the whole logos of what people believe. We're going to question the whole logos of what the church believes. We're going to question the whole logos of the scripture. We're going to question the whole logos of the truth of God. We're going to question the whole logos of what this country was built on. We're even going to question the whole logos of when this country was founded. And we're going to question the whole reason this country was founded. And you've heard it. Question the logos. Question the objective of why we are what we are, and question then the understanding. Let's rewrite history. Let's give Pulitzer Prizes to people who totally write fallacial accounts of history. And let's teach that in our schools. Let's herald it through the New York Times. Let's bring that out. If there was ever a time we see the framework of bitterness speaking logos of wisdom and logos of knowledge, it's what we're seeing happening not only in our country right now, but everywhere. It's very interesting. The enemy knows this, and he's following this pattern. Um, they don't come before the throne, but they gain an objective. They gain a mission. They gain a purpose, and they believe it as if it came from the throne of God, even though they would never acknowledge that. Where they, they adapt some kind of an ideology that governs everything else. It doesn't matter whether our gasoline prices are $6, $7 a gallon, and it costs us 50% more what we buy in the store because of transport costs. And, and you know, it, it doesn't matter that we're shutting down uh, something that should be a strength of this country because we believe in the ideology of this green idea or this thing or that thing. You know, and I'm not getting into the political arena there, but that is an ideology and it governs everything. It doesn't matter that Western Europe is cutting off all of its fuel from Russia and that in the wintertime, any of us have traveled in Europe knows it's pretty darn cold over there. It doesn't matter that they're making that sacrifice and that we should be supplying our allies with something that we have plentifully because we believe in this ideology. See, the different ideologies are the substitute for this gift of faith. Do you see that? And just as you and I should be empowered by our time before the throne at the right hand 
They have their own prophetic agenda. This is what is going to happen. You know, let's, uh, it wasn't too long ago, that, and they've since gotten in trouble for financial scrutiny uh, of, of ne'er-do-well malfeasance in their financial management. But there were major companies all around this nation that were giving tens of millions of dollars to a group that openly stated in their charter, we want to dissolve the Western families. We want to dissolve the things that uh, this country was based on. We want to destroy it all. We, want, we, we don't want children in a nuclear family. This was stated. This is the ideology. This was what they believed and spoke. And Nonsensical people said yes, because it rode in under the cover of something that was very deceptive. Well, who doesn't want this group of people to have freedom and equality? Well, that's not what this company is saying. It's an ideology. There are a lot of these ideologies that are trying to take the place of faith in this. It's the new religion. Progressivism is the new religion. The church is out the door for them. So faith, this gift of faith, is now a gift of bitterness because every one of them is, this has been done wrong. You're destroying. You're making this mistake. You're doing this. You've done wrong. You need to repent. You need to come down and lift this group up. Uh, and it's in so many different avenues. It's bitterness, not grace. It's looking back, not forward. It's rewriting history instead of building on the good things of history. Does that make sense, or, or am I just flapping my jaws up here? We're all seeing it. This is the enemy functioning in false gifts of the Spirit, gifts of bitterness. And then it, it goes on. It follows the pattern. Um... Well, how are we going to necessitate bitterness? Well, I think if it, instead of a, a grace remedy, let's have a bitterness remedy. Well, we'll screw this up. This will really mess them up. This will keep grace from happening. If we, can, if we can get this going, it will just open the floodgates of nonsense. Have we seen that happen? Take a look at what's happening in San Francisco right now. Have you watched the streets are littered with drug paraphernalia and human feces. Uh, people can just go in and take anything they want out of stores. As long as it's not $1,000, they will not be prosecuted. You know this, right? I mean, you can't find a Walgreens in the metropolitan San Francisco anymore because they've all had to close because they can't stay in business. The law, you talk about the man of lawlessness coming? Well, he's already there. What about George Gascon in, in Los Angeles? He was in the news this past week. He's the DA out there. He won't prosecute crimes. He just won't. There was, a, there was a child offender that recently was just given a slap on the wrist and, and by this guy and released back out. It abused a 10-year-old girl in a restroom. Horrible thing. And they all knew it, but this guy let him out. And then afterwards, they, through Public Information Act, they were able to hear some of the media outlets got phone calls that this guy had with his, with his father, 
just almost laughing and mockingly saying, you know, they're not going to do anything for me. I'm not even going to have to register. It's just, I'm just out of here. And his dad said, so nothing's going to happen to you? No, no. And, and so then this DA says, after he's confronted with this, oh, I didn't know any of that. My staff didn't know any of that. 98% of his prosecutors have openly said, this guy's ruining the justice system out here. We want him out. 98%. If, if you stand up against your boss, you're putting your life in alignment. 98% of you? This is happening so many places. What right is wrong and wrong is right. It's ideologies, and it's, it's, it's bitterness remedies. These crazy things instill hopelessness in people, and then they, they lose the framework of why should we serve. Again, out there in L.A., they just had to release, I think it was, I heard the sheriff of that major county. I don't know how many hundreds of sheriffs just had to release them, and they were the only ones that were really enforcing anything. This is not just L.A., this is not just San Francisco, this is many places in the country. It's, it's these bitterness remedies that lock in. You can look at the same thing in Baltimore. Look at the same thing in Chicago. How many people are going to die this weekend? How many people? 15, 20, being shot, killed? Nobody's doing anything about it. It's always somebody else's fault. It's some tale of bitterness. This is the flow pattern that the enemy is instilling, not only in this country, but in many other countries. And this is a manifestation of the perversion of a grace remedy. It's a bitterness. It's a bitterness infraction. And then it hamstrings what should be. And good, well-meaning people, I don't know, some of them have been deceived. Others that see it, they're powerless to do anything. And the thing is, we'll wait till we'll have a recall election, or we'll do this, we'll do that. But <laughs> anyway, I'm just going off on this. But it's just following the pattern. You, you see this happening right now. To another, the working of miracles. Dunamis. Oh, look at this function. Oh, look at this great thing. Yeah, we'll... Uh, we believe so strongly that men can be women and women can be men. There was a guy that was from Pennsylvania, my home state. He was just promoted. Uh, he's a, he's, I'm just going to say what he, he says what he is. He's a transvestite, and he's an admiral. admiral. And, and he is, uh, was very instrumental in, uh, in the health and human services in Pennsylvania, and he's just been promoted. He's just put out there. I mean, this is... This is an icon for us. I mean, this is a sign of how we're functioning. Look at this. This is, this is the function, the dunamis of bitterness. This is a function of the perversion of God's laws. And we see that. And what should be a sign of momentum, which is what dunamis should bring, is a sign of debauchery, encouraging fallacial progressive ideologies and discouraging those that believe in the purity of the word. You just see that. That's one example, and I could go on with a bunch, but I'm not going to belabor this. Um, what's next to another prophecy? You hear this stuff prophesied everywhere, in the news media, uh, in print. It's spoken as if it's fact. 
It's spoken and declared so much. And Lenin said that if you tell a lie long enough, and a lot of them are going off of Lenin's, Vladimir Lenin's playbook, people will believe it is true. He also said that the capitalists will sell us the rope we'll use to hang them. I think that's true too. So you, you just see this, this prophecy, you know, there was a book that was released this past week. Boy, I'm really getting political here. I'm not really political. I'm just saying. AOC has a new book out. It's about her life story. And in it, they compare her to Jesus. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's just unbelievable. And how they talk about how prophetic she is and how she's the prophetic voice of the new course of this nation. Well, she's not the only one. They're viewing themselves as prophets. They're stating things as if it is God's holy truth and speaking it out and teaching it and laying it out there. It's amazing. So prophecy, you can only do that after these other things have been in place. And once they're in place, well, there it is. Let me tell you what it is. And you prophesy to it. You die to it. And you got a lot of people who are plotting it. So you could just go down through the rest of these. Um, the next thing is discerning of spirits. There's a whole lot of spirits that are moving around with this. I mean, so demonic, so wicked. I mean, you see the prince of the power of the air just heralded through their speeches. You, 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 you know, last year, um, a lot of these prophetic pundits were declaring the need for re-education camps for all of us who are conservative. And they were saying it over and over again, and nobody was saying, that's nonsense. That's not American. That's wicked. I mean, they're just declaring it, and all the pundits are shaking their heads. Yes, yes, yes. It's setting the prophetic stage for something that is coming. Hopefully not for a long time, but it will come. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What's the answer to sin abound? Grace much more abounds. What's the answer to bitterness? Letting go of the past, pressing forward toward what God says in grace. Grace is greater than bitterness. We are servants of the throne of grace. And again, that's one of the reasons why in the eschatological literature of Scripture, the saints and the prophets are such an opponent to this world system that is built on bitterness. So why is it called the beast, the false prophet, and the Antichrist? Because you've got a lot of numbskulls that are running around as anointed young men and women, and not, not, not always young, who are fulfilling the, the ideals of their father, the devil. You've got false prophets that are declaring this stuff with clout. And you have the beast, that organized world system that is just flowing. We see it. It's, it's not something that we have to put a chart up and say, well, you know, Russia's going to come and the Pope is going to rise up and all these things. We're living this right now. We're, we're living this right now. I'm not despairing about it, but we're not ignorant of these devices. And there was such a clamor that I sensed this morning um, in the spirit realm 
that I feel that this is a contention point right now, which is a blessing for us because I'd never seen this in this way. It's a blessing for me. I don't know what it is for you. But I can see this. This is the battle of grace and wormwood, the battle of grace and, and ministry, the battle of grace and the false prophet. So, uh, working of miracles, prophecies, discerning of spirits, then diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. To me, this is anything the Council of Seven says is immediately put out there. I mean, there are such a thing as de demonic tongues, but not, not, uh, not in the way that, you know, when we were beginning to speak in diversities of tongues after like the first two years, there were some people that came extraneously into our meetings and came to me and said, you know what, you've got to be careful with these diversities of tongues because I hear demonic tongues. I thought, well, and I finally said to the third woman who came and said this to me, how do you know what demonic tongues sounds like? How, how are you an expert on this? How are you able to know this? And in all three of those places, it was just that these people were uneasy with the with the, the climate which we've all been in where lots of people are speaking in tongues and they just don't know what to do about it. I had one lady that would sit in the back row in the center where Ruby's sitting, but in the center, and she'd hold her hands over her ears because it was, it was just us disrupting her order. She liked to feel the spirit, but all these people speaking in tongues just kind of threw her off and her head just kind of... And so any of those people... And the whole idea of speaking in diversities of tongues and praying the way we do had to be demonic, so they would say that. So I don't really think the enemy has any demonalia. I think what he says is very clear. There are many languages in the demonic realm, just as there are in the angelic realm. But And he may use those languages through his minions, but do not confuse that with the gift of diversities of tongues. Only God can empower these genos lalia. Only, and really, the genos is what he essentially wants to do. Anything the enemy has is either absconded or confused or perverted. So um, I, I really believe this has more to do with how they spend time before the demonic council and how they all have the same speech, and there may be some incantations and words that they speak from various languages. I don't really care because that's counterfeit. That probably is true, but their doctrine is whatever the doctrines of devils wants, which is basically to empower this same thing. There's no restoration. It's just, I want to be like God, and I'm going to destroy him, if I can, and I'm, I'm going to destroy any human who really wants to have fellowship with him because I'm a man killer from the beginning. And so it's just really interesting. This, this, this whole thing is very interesting. But the reason that Paul in the Spirit says this is the way demonicos people move and you used to serve the demonic but here I'm going to show you how God moves. The Spirit is going to operate in grace. You are all equipped through God and in conjunction with the Lord to serve him in various capacities, and God is going to bring his energy and bring things to life. So here is how the Spirit of grace is going to manifest itself. That's what he said. Phanerosis. That's what he said. That's what he says. 
And then he goes down through it. And we've lived this, and we continue to live this. But again, this is the same. It's a perverted battle plan, but it's the same progression that the enemy is trying and doing a pretty good job of it to instill in our society bitterness, rejection, wounding. Didn't we say many years ago that witchcraft recruits people with seer's giftings who all have an axe to grind or who are wounded in some way? And that wormwood influence then is witchcraft. That's true. And it's the same flow as this. It's the same flow as this. So this is for us to understand. And maybe as pneumaticos people, as we pray, we can perceive this. But the, the thing that we must focus on while being aware of that is the true and the pure. We are serving God as his pneumaticos. This is what we're called to do. We are before the throne of grace. We are functioning as people who are partnering with God as intercessors to see what he wants to do done. Yes, how do we overcome these other things? Well, you don't fight bitterness with bitterness. You overcome evil with good. And it's easy to view this nonsense and this horrific scourge upon our country through anger and through un, just unmitigated viewpoints of how in the world is this happening. And you can, you can become drunk with that. You don't fight bitterness with bitterness. And it, it's easier said than done, and I freely admit that I've been tempted to take a sip of that cup because it infuriates me well, as an American to see these things, as a Christian to see, and I'm sure it does you too, but we overcome evil with good. We've been given the pure. We've got to function on behalf of grace and not allow ourselves to be soiled by the bitterness of this world. We are triumphant. God is God. And so with that in mind, you read in the book of Revelation where on several occasions you see breakthrough points in, in heaven. And, and the, the one that I'm thinking of right now, now are the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. So much of the church thinks that's already happened. And in prophetic wise, it has. But <laughs> we're, not, we're not in, you know, some of the progressive people, and I heard this from one of the dear folks that was redeemed from the scourge of it, they've taught that the book of Revelation has already happened and that really lots of it is suspect. Well, guess what? It has not happened yet. We're living it now, and it is a battle. It's a good thing because we're partnering with our Lord, and we're we're enjoying his victories. We are at his throne of grace, but we have to see and be aware that this perversion is being applied. The playbook has been twisted and is being applied throughout society. We overcome that with good. We overcome bitterness with grace. We overcome sin abounding with hitting the mark in abundance. And so um, it's, this is why it's important for us to keep praying 
every day in diversities of tongues. Hasn't the enemy tried to convince you that you're not accomplishing anything? Hasn't the enemy tried to convince you that you're not doing anything? What good does it do to you to pray? You know, it's just you alone in your house. Well, that's some of the greatest encounters I've ever had with the Lord have been me alone in the front room or up in the happy place. Don't discount what God has given you. It is the fuel of grace. It, this diversities of tongues should be functioning in the church. It empowers the timing of God, and it empowers the people in their individual callings. And we must continue to pray in this. It's, it's magnificent. So, as we come before this communion table today, oh, it's not really a table. It's beautifully outfitted. Thank you, Eminem, once again. Um, we, we have the bread, which represents us as the body of Christ. The breaking speaks about where we're assigned to serve and what we're assigned to be. Um, the purity of gaining a fresh word from God and not reliant upon the leaven of the last great victory or the last great episode, this unleavened. Uh, we, we need that commune with the Father fresh every day, and we need the empowerment of the blood, the sprinkling of the blood upon us, this blood that has saved us and purged us of sin. This sprinkling prepares for the glory of God to come in a new way, prepares for us to serve. Uh, it, it, it speaks of the patterns that God is wanting to manifest on earth. It speaks of our mind being empowered, that an evil conscience be cleansed and put, put away by the power of the blood. It speaks of our adoption and our function as sons. It speaks about being empowered to go forward in new ways. We need this. We need it. Many of you are doing it every day. We've been inspired to do this every day, and it's a good thing. We need this every day. This is meeting with the Lord. This is this is fellowshipping with him in the kingdom anew. And so I, I encourage you as you come, we're going to have a time of prayer as, uh, as prophetic worship is offered. Um, let's, let's view this as a, as a minstrel that is prophetically welcoming the atmosphere of heaven. But don't shortchange the power of these. They're not just symbols. These are active prophetic points of obedience and partnering with our Lord. And so, Father, I thank you that we have the latitude here to speak this out in this congregation. I thank you for the freedom of being able to do this here. And I thank you for the ability to be able to speak it out into the nations. So many thousands of places are, are, have, have access to whatever you would want to use through your word today. But I thank you that we are before your throne. Most of all, I thank you that we're before your throne and that you are here to meet with us and you are here to empower us and commune with us as we commune together before your throne. I speak blessing over every one of these dear folks. And I speak blessing upon this time in prayer. And I speak blessing upon the prophetic song 
and, and music that is going to be offered before you. May this time be precious in the way that you've attended, intended it to be. I speak great grace over us, great favor over us, great favor over what you are calling us to do in this year. Great grace upon each of us, great grace upon his church. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. All right. Let's come and receive and let's find a place to seek the Lord and let's hear uh, what God will say in this wonderful worship environment. God bless you all.